So we're in week four of Greater Than, and uh, we've been spending some time focusing on why Jesus came. Jesus came with this desire and with this purpose to reconcile all of humanity back to the Father. And he came, and we know that he had this purpose. He came to destroy the works of the enemy, everything that, that um, held us at bay and distanced us from relationship with the Father. And he said, I came to bring life in, life in abundance, life with the Father and with each other through me, because I am the way, the truth, and the life. And so we've been focusing on what he did, what he did at the cross by removing all our sin and our shame and our condemnation and how he's ushered us into this relationship, invited us into the space where we get to know, as Rich shared last week, we get to gnosko in the Greek. It's an experiential, ongoing knowing. We get to know the wonder of the Father heart of God expressed to us through Jesus and all he did by the working of the Holy Spirit in our lives. What a beautiful thing. But it doesn't stop there and it doesn't end there. But the challenge then comes to us, even as Jesus commissioned the disciples and he would speak to us afresh today, that we get to run. We get to champion this, this good news. We get to proclaim it. And we get to invite others into the space of knowing and experiencing the love of the Father. We looked at how we, in this course, we've been looking at how we have been empowered not to, to live powerless in our behavior, but to live powerfully in the kingdom. You know, powerless behavior is when we blame and we manipulate and we deflect and we withdraw and we do all of those things that the world does so often. But powerful in the kingdom, the definition is a powerful person is a person who takes responsibility for their thoughts, their decisions, their emotions, their behavior, regardless of how others are behaving. That means I'm going to be true to who I am even when you're not being true to who you are. And so we have the responsibility for ourselves unto God. And we looked at that word responsibility, not something we've got to muster up in our own strength, but it's response to his ability. We live in response to his ability. And his ability, that word means grace. It's God's ability. It's God's capacity. It's God's strength, which works in my heart to do what I cannot do in my own ability, capacity, and strength. That's his grace at work in my life. That's His grace that establishes me in righteousness. That's His grace which leads me in victory even as, as I follow after Him. And so this is what's at work within us and this is what we are responding to. And the Apostle John, the Apostle of love, writes to us and he says this in 1 John 4 verse 4, little children, have you ever felt when, when it, things, it feels like things are encroaching upon you, they're gathering around you, when you feel like you've been picked on from every side. You, you no longer feel like me, a 39-year-old man, but I can feel like a little child in that moment. Have you ever experienced that? Uh, a few more people have experienced that in the first service. There's more honesty here. I like it. Little children, sometimes we feel like that. Little children, you are from God. Just get your thinking straight. Recognize your reference point. Understand where you come from. You are from God and have overcome the world. Wow, that puts you in a whole different place than when you're cowering as a little child. There's something rising up, being encouraged in us, courage coming to us as the apostle is writing to us. You are from God and have overcome the world for he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Your starting point, when you receive what Jesus has done, when the Holy Spirit comes into your life, your starting point is you have overcome the world because the one who is in you is greater than whatever you might face outside and in the world around you. How encouraging is that? I'm encouraged by that. 
And he's writing this to encourage us because he knows that we are not in neutral territory. We're not in a, a, new, a neutral zone. It's a war zone out there. It's a battleground. And he's wanting to encourage us to engage and not to pull back. He's saying, don't, we don't get to sit back and just hope that our marriages are going to get better. We don't get to sit back and just hope that our work relationships are going to get better. We don't get to sit back and just hope that our friendships are going to get better. No, we've got to engage. There is a responsibility, a response to his ability in your life and my life that as kingdom men and women, we need to move into so that we can experience and see for ourselves that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Maybe the, the things that you are facing that seem intimidating out there are loneliness, very real in our day and age. Maybe it's grief, depression, maybe it's anxiety, maybe it's hopelessness, discouragement, shame is a reality. All of these things come and they intimidate us and they cause us to pull back and feel small. But greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. You know, I love when I look at the fruits of the Spirit, what God is doing in you and in me, Galatians 5, 22 to 23, it says this, but the fruit of the Spirit is love. It's joy, peace, forbearance or patience in other versions, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. This isn't some behavioral manifesto that I've got to carry out. When it lists the fruits of the Spirit, these are the character traits of the Father, of Jesus, of what the Holy Spirit is doing in your life and mine, that as we are rooted in Him, there's life happening within us. There's a fruitfulness taking place that others, even in the opposition this world brings, others are able to taste and see that God is good because of what He's doing in us and through us. Because greater is He that is in you than He that is in the world. And there's this encouragement, even as Rich encouraged us last week. What are we partnering with? When we partner with anger, we find that we reap anger in our relationships. When we partner with lust, we see the outworking of it. When we partner with greed, we become a slave to it. So what are we partnering with? We need to realize we're not partnering with this world that's impressing upon us, but we are coming in the opposite spirit and we are partnering with the working of the Holy Spirit within us. And I love this, which Graham Cook, great teacher, says. He says, what if there is a place set aside for you in the spirit where you can defeat the enemy with grace? What if you can depress him with your joy? What if you can overwhelm him with peace? What if you can weary him by your patience? What if you can intimidate him by your intimacy? What if you can discourage him by the love that you've experienced ongoing and that you know it in the Father heart of God? What if you can make the enemy depressed and tired and weary and cause him to be in need of therapy because of what God is doing in you and greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world? What an encouragement. So let me ask you a question just to shift our thinking as we gather here today. Consider this, ponder this for yourself. How would our daily experience be different if we receive God's love to the same degree that He is loving us? Let me read that to you again. I want you to get it. It's a profound thought. How would our daily experience be different if we received God's love to the same degree that he is loving us. 
What would occur if we actually identified more with the Prince of Peace than identifying with the anxiety of the world around us? What would that look like? How would that change your language? How would that change the way you behave? How would that change the way you connect with people? How would that change how they see God in and through your life? We're looking at this and we've been looking at connectedness and what connection looks like with the Father and one another. And today we're going to be focusing a little bit more on communication, how we communicate with, um, with God and with each other. And so I want to start off by, how many, uh, how many of you have been enjoying the cricket? Let me ask that first. Some are enjoying it too much and they haven't come to church today, but that's all right. There's grace. But wouldn't it have been nice with Dale Stain, a bit of an all-rounder being out, if we had someone like Clive Rice, one of the, the, the heroes from yesteryear. I want to speak about Clive Rice, not because of cricket, but how many of you know that he was the first person to bring karaoke into South Africa? What an amazing legacy. <laughs> Interesting fact. How many of you, of you here have experienced karaoke before? How many of you here enjoy singing at those karaoke times? Quite a few. How many of you enjoy listening to karaoke? It's a, it's one or two. It's a little bit, a little bit different. Um, you know, you, you hear Josh Groban, and he's, I mean, his voice, the training, when he's singing, you, you raise me up, and it feels like the whole house lifts, and there's just beautiful background music, and it's in HD, and it's surround sound, and it's full, and it's emotive, and you feel like crying, and you do cry, even though there's other guys around you. This is just hypothetical. But then you get into this karaoke environment, and you get someone belting, and they can't hit the notes, and it's PA, tinny little system, and you know, they're a bit of a prison singer. You know what that means? We get that in church. When you're behind a few bars and you can't find the key, it happens in singing. And you just hope in that moment that someone would pitch up, someone like Simon Cowell or Randall. You know, they just, they come in and they just speak the truth. There's no grace, but there's truth. And they bring it right into the heart of the moment. And you know, that person singing, they come up to you and they say, how did that sound? And you want to say, well, you, you know, I've never really quite heard anything quite like that before. <laughs> because you're not like Simon Cowell. I want to say, parents, it is wonderful that you encourage your children. You tell them to go out there to sing, to give it gusto and passion. But maybe you need to say, you know, you've got such passion. I love hearing you. God loves hearing you. But maybe not necessarily the whole world loves, loves hearing you, you know. Don't lie to your children. Because what happens is you tell them you've got the best voice ever. And then they come and they want to audition for the worship team. And, and Ant and I are here, and we've got pastoral constitutions. And, and we, it's hard to be like Simon Cowell and to, and to break their little spirits. But we love them and we encourage them. And it's all a joyful, not symphony noise to the Lord. But we, we, we love that. But there are these blind spots. Maybe you've thought you are a wonderful singer and you've, you've had other people come and say, you know, you think this about yourself, but it's not true. We all have blind spots. Things that, things that we think are true about us, but that we don't realize that everyone else knows that that's not true. Everyone else knows the truth about thing, that thing except us. And so when we're wanting to be whole people, there's this segment of us that's a blind spot. Everyone else knows it about us. We don't know it about ourselves. And uh, th that can cause hurt in relationships. Maybe you or maybe I am the relational karaoke singer in some relationships. Have you given that some thought? 
You get that person who's the oversharer and they arrive and they just, for 45 minutes, you know, you've just met them and they, they just haven't even given you a chance to break in the conversation and they, they're telling you about what they've just experienced and also what that friend did to them and this relationship and that family member and all the prophetic words they've had spoken over their life and, and they're just hitting you and for 45 minutes you're thinking, help, how, how, how do I get out of this? Have you experienced that? Maybe if you don't know the oversharer, maybe you are the oversharer. Just putting it out there. Then you get the bully. The bully is the person who comes and they think they the life of the party and they use sarcasm and humor and they think, you know, I'm just great. Look how witty I am. And everyone's thinking, but you're a bully and you're hurting me. I've had that in my life. I used to pick on Andrew Willington from the pulpit. And I had people in the, I get agreement. Malcolm, did you agree with me? Someone agreed with me. I, I did, I admit it. It was a blind spot. And someone came to me and they said, You've got to, you can't do that. You're being a bit of a bully. And uh, they told me I must call him Andrew. And I refuse to call him Andrew, but I won't bully him. Um, with Rich, I'm not going to step into that same behavior because as he shared, he's an ex-pro rugby player. And so I'm wiser than that. But sometimes we can be a bully. I was sitting with someone in this congregation. They were here in the first service. They're not here now. And uh, it was one of my blind spots. And, and he started speaking to me. And he said, hey, George, I want you to meet this great leader. There's an excellent leader. You're going to enjoy him. I must connect you. So I thought, that's great. And he said, you know what? You guys are actually quite similar. I thought, wow. He's saying I'm a great leader. Maybe I'm a great preacher, teacher. I mean, this is what this guy is. And he said, you guys are quite similar because he's cold and you're also cold. <laughs> I mean, I, I kept my pastoral face and I, I just... I didn't flinch, but inside my world was crumbling. You know, I had this blind spot. I pictured myself, I'm the most friendly, I'm shaking hands, I'm high-fiving, I'm hugging you and spinning you around. And here's this person telling me I'm cold. My world came crumbling down. He walked out of my office and literally, I promise you, I went to at least three staff members, all of them ladies, because I needed comfort and nurturing. And I said, is this true about me? And all of them kind of shrugged their shoulders and they never gave me a straight answer. So obviously it's not. But we all have these blind spots, and if we don't deal with that, they cause hurt in relationships. Then we've got the comfortable area. So that's the blind spot, the comfortable area. I'm happy that you see this, and I know this about myself. So I'm happy that we engage with the comfortable area. You can see it, and I know it. Let's engage there. But then we also get these areas, which is my hidden area. Now, this area I know about myself, but I'm not going to show you. Because I, I, it makes me feel vulnerable. It's risky. Um, I'm ashamed of parts of it, and I don't really know if I can trust you there. So what I'm going to do, and what we do in that area, we use, we use various things to hide this part of our lives. Maybe it's humor. Maybe it's where we hold that person off, as I said, with a bit of, as they get a bit close to this hidden part of my life, to maybe where I feel unworthy or a bit of shame or whatever it might be. And I start to use humor and sarcasm to kind of push you away. Because as I use humor and as I redirect through humor, you feel like there's connection because it's lighthearted, but there's no depth or substance. Or maybe it's that area in our life when there's the boss and they're just overwhelming and they come and they, they talk at such a level and it's all surface, surface level. And when we try and engage with them and say, well, these are my thoughts, they say, oh, no, it's going to be fine, can-do attitude, positivity, and you feel that you're not valued. And so you just retreat and think, I'm going to protect that area and not share it with you. Maybe it's in the church environment where you're hiding secret doubts you have in terms of who God is. Is God really good? And you don't know if you can chat to anyone about you. That's your, your hidden area. 
Maybe it's an area of your faith. Maybe it's a habit that's hurting you. But one of our greatest needs is for connection. You know, the world does studies. There was a 75-year study conducted by Harvard where they came up and they found that the key to happiness was connectedness. The world knows this. We've seen this all the way through God's Word. But you can only truly connect with the truth of who people are. Otherwise, you're just connecting with a part of them because they're parts that there are no-go areas that are hiding or that are blind spots and you cannot connect. And so when you have interaction with someone, often you'll be in this situation where you get to meet someone and you think, hey, this person, they're saying the right things and they're showing the right expressions, but I just can't relate because there's this hiddenness, there's, there's hidden motives, and, and you're picking it up, even though they're saying the right things and giving you the right expression, but you realize something's just not right here. This happened to me when I was working in Alaska. I was working for Matanuska Telephone Association, and um, I was in the IT department. I was a youngster coming up the ranks. I'd set up this great new server. I was, I was happily proud of myself. It was great. I was going to advance the company, the, the head of the IT the director was coming to see me, and there was a person we had just employed uh, in the IT department, and he came to me like five minutes before the director came, and he just said, hey, George, what did you set up? And I told him, this is what I've done. He said, what did it do? I explained it to him, um, and then he sat with me, so it was great, you know, connection, but something just felt wrong, but, you know, I just, I just didn't really connect with him, but anyway, we were trying to build connection. The director walks into my office, and the director says, George, this is amazing. You know, what you've put together here, this is going to take things to the next level. This guy sitting here, you know, I'm looking at him. He's looking at me. I'm looking at him. And he starts to say to the director, yeah, what George and I did was we did this, and we thought we would do that. I mean, literally, this guy's just heard what I've done. I'm thinking, what's going on here? Something was just off. I could tell, but there were insecurities and things coming through. That was sabotaging our relationship and our connection. And maybe you found that in your relationships. Maybe there are people that scare you to connect with. Maybe there are people that irritate you and you just can't find that common space. Maybe those people have hurt you and so you keep them at an arm's distance. You never let on and you call it wisdom. You call it discernment. You think it's being loving. The reality is if we're ever going to grow in who we are in God, and in who we are as a people in relationship with others, then we need to establish deep connection. But we need to make sure that the connection that we are establishing, that we are true on the inside to what we're portraying on the outside, that there's an integrity, that there's not hidden motives and hidden agendas, that we're not too afraid to deal with hidden places or to engage and discover some blind spots, but that we're saying, I want to be, I want the truth of who I am, the deepest, truest part of me to be available to connect with others, with nothing hidden, so that we can have true connection. And that's quite scary. But it starts with our relationship with God. That's where we are empowered and receive His grace to live it out with others. So let's just jump into the Word. 1 John 1 verse 1. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our own eyes, with which we have looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the Word of life. The life appeared, we have seen it, and we testify to it. And we proclaim to you the eternal life. We know we're speaking about Jesus. 
which was with the Father and has appeared to us, we proclaim to you that we have seen and we have heard so that you also may have fellowship with us. Key. So that you might have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And we write this to make our joy complete. There's something about a completeness of joy that comes to us and being able to connect with each other, connect with the Father, connect with Jesus, and know what this relationship looks like. There's a joy that comes to us in that. And the context of this is they, the, the John, the apostle of love, is writing, and he's saying, we've seen God. We've experienced Him. We've touched Him in the person of Jesus. He hasn't hidden Himself from us. He's revealed himself to us. And, and there was something about Jesus' coming where he was so vulnerable, not in the sense of being weak. Last week, Rich told us that, um, what did you tell us, Rich? <laughs> Humility plus vulnerability equals intimacy. He told us a lot, so I just had to play forward, but I found it. It was good. Humility plus vulnerability equals intimacy. Jesus didn't... Um, he didn't count equality with God as something he was going to grasp at, even though he was in the form of God. Isn't that amazing, that humility? And yet he was vulnerable in relationship so that we could have intimacy. Let me explain that. I'll get there in just a moment. But this is, this is the five layers of communication. You know there's five layers. There's the cliche, hey, how are you doing? I'm great. How are you doing? I'm on top of the world, brother. And we throw out those cliches. Do you know that? We do it in church as well. God is good. All the time, all the time, God is good. So we throw out and we can engage around those levels. Then we, we also engage around fact. That is where we find safety. You know, the fact is that the Springboks drew with the barbarians. All of you watch that? If you don't want to know the New Zealand Island score, just block your ears at this time. The fact is that in 111 years, for the first time after an 18 um, in a row, winning streak, New Zealand encountered Ireland and they lost in the US. Now you're clapping, so you're going into the next level of communication. You're moving beyond fact and you're stepping into your opinion. I can tell that your opinion was that it was good for New Zealand to lose. And I agree with your opinion. But the, the, that's a bit risky. You know, I could tell you my opinion is that I think Justin Bieber rocks and he made a believer out of me. Now, your opinion is pretty bad of, of me right now. Opinion can be dangerous. Then we move beyond opinion, and we, we move into the area of feelings. That's a, a deeper level of communication. We start to, to share how we're feeling. But it gets a bit messy. And then we get beyond that, and we start to share our needs. The deepest place of connection is where you might feel free to share how you feel, Truly. And also your need in relationship with that other, that other person. Jesus does that. Jesus just moves straight into wholehearted connection with people. I mean, he's, there's no hidden motives. He's saying, this is why I've come. I've, preached, I've come to preach the good news. I've come to set the captive free. I've come to heal the brokenhearted. I've come to deliver those who are in captivity. I've come that you might have abundance and the fullness of life. I've come to bring you back into relationship with the Father. I've come, and he's talking between whether it's a tax collector, a prostitute, whether it's a religious leader. It doesn't matter whether it's a leper that he's touching and engaging with. It doesn't matter. He is expressing wholeheartedly who he is so that people can get a picture wholeheartedly of who the Father is. Because if you've seen Him, you've seen the Father. Nothing hidden. Completeness. 
But even in that completeness, we see that he gets to that place where he expresses need. Did you, did you know that Jesus had need in relationship? Not because he was needy, but because he wanted to really connect. And that's what makes up relationship. And so he expresses to his disciples, he said, I am, I am um, anguished even to the point of death. Will you come and pray with me? The beauty of Jesus and his connection with us, revealing the Father heart of God. And so our mission today is to shine a light, as I come to close, is to shine a light into these dark areas so that we can push away these blind spots, so that we can push away these um, hidden areas, that we can fully become who we are. We can have an integrity of heart. What's true on the inside can be true on the outside so that we can be wholehearted and we can have a courage to do that. You know, when you look at that word courage, this is what it means. I'm going to try to find it because I lost it this morning. Here's what it means. The word courage comes from the Latin word core. And the meaning of that word is this, to tell the story of who you are with your whole heart. Courage. To tell the story of who you are with your whole heart. Integrity. Integrity means completeness. It means perfection. It means wholeness. I'm going to have an integrity and I'm going to have a courage to connect with you with my whole heart. And so what happens is, and I, I had the TiVo guys, Patrick and Rob, were in the first service, and um, we're looking at the light driving out the darkness. And husbands, have you ever approached your wife's bag with a little bit of trepidation, intimidation, and fear brewing in your heart? You know, you come to this thing and it's a mystery, you know. It's, it's dark and you just, you don't want to put your hand in because you don't know what's going to happen in there. And so you need one of TiVo's torches, 900 lumens, they're multifocus, tactile, and you take, and you, and you shine it in there because you're needing, as Jacques shared, you're needing your beaches. And so you put this light on and you look and it's amazing because as the light comes, you find what you're looking for. And it's wonderful. But not only do you find what you're looking for, you find other things that you didn't even know that you needed. You find my Swiss army knife. What is my, my Swiss army knife doing in her bag? And, and you find that wad of cash that went missing from the side of your bedside. What is that doing in there? And then not only do you find what you're looking for, not only do you find what you need and you didn't know you need, but you also find things that you need to deal with. You find bills. And they're from Woolworths and they're crumpled up and hidden. a scary thing. Let's jump into verse 5 and see how light drives out darkness. Verse 5, this is the message. We have heard from him and declared to you, God is light. Maybe you need to hear this today. Maybe you think there's a hidden motive in God's heart. Maybe you think he's not really good and he's hiding some aspect of who he is because if he's going to get in relationship with you, if you're going to open up your heart to him, he's actually going to hurt you. The Apostle Paul who said, I'm the one that Jesus loves, the disciple Jesus loved, who rested his head. John, did I say Paul? You are a good Berean. It was a test and you passed. The Apostle John, we're in John, the Apostle John who wrote about leaning his head on Jesus' chest and saying, I'm the disciple that Jesus loves. knew him, wholeheartedly connected, says this. This is the message we have heard from him, declare to you, God is light. 
In Him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with Him, and yet then we walk in darkness, we lie, and we do not live out the truth in other versions, it says we do not practice the truth. It's saying if you're saying you're in relationship with Him, the one who is light, and then you go out of that space and you start to walk and allow darkness and other areas of your life to be active and at play, then you are lying about your relationship with them. That's, that's a challenge and that's scary. Maybe there's none so deceived as the deceived and you're not aware of it. But then it goes on to say we need to practice or we need to live out the truth. Do you know you need to practice truth? Rich encouraged us last week, we need to renew our minds so that we can have persuaded hearts, so that we can live from a persuaded heart. We need to get God's truth and renew our minds so that our hearts are persuaded with truth, so that we can live from that place of a persuaded heart and the truth of God. We need to practice it until it becomes the default for your life and mine. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, His Son, purifies us from all sin. Isn't that amazing? You know, all light really is. And when I see you and we see colors as you see around uh, around the, the auditorium here today, all it is is reflected light. If we had to black out this place um, and there was no light source, there would be complete darkness because light wouldn't be reflected. But this is the amazing part when we come to God. It says God is light. He's not reflecting it. He's the source of it. It's emanating from who He is. He is just shining forth and illuminating us with His very presence and person and character. And He comes and He shines in our lives so that the hidden parts can be driven out and the the blind parts can be moved out so that we can truly become wholehearted with an integrity and a courage to be who we are in Him and live in a way that others can see truly who we are and see our hearts. You know, this week, um, yesterday, I landed up in the emergency room. Leanne wasn't feeling well. She told me not to tell you this. I apologize, Leanne. Um, she wasn't feeling well, and she, uh, she needed to go to the emergency room. She was throwing up a bit of nausea. She's fine. That's why she's not here today. She wanted to be here, Rich and Tanya. I apologize. And, and so she's at home recovering. But I don't like emergency rooms. How many of you here like those emergency room shows, like Grey's Anatomy and that sort of stuff? I, I see some hands. Not too many. I mean, I can't watch that stuff. I remember when my son Luke was being born and and we went in and the aunt said, hold my hand and just squeeze so I don't feel the pain because they're going to give me the epidural. And then they put the epidural in in her back and my knees went weak and and the room started spinning. I didn't know what was happening. I got the nurse. I said, hold her hand. I went to the men's room. I leant against and I thought I was dying. And I practiced my breathing and I made it through there. Leanne wasn't even with me to encourage me. When I came out, I found out we were moving because the little guy wasn't coming and we were heading at Parklands downstairs underground to this basement area to go to this emergency room and it was quite dim and dark getting there and then we got there because she was having an emergency C-section. And you know, you sit there and, and then, I mean, this is intimidating for me. And then they put on this light. I mean, th- this light is a bright, it's a spotlight and they shine it and, and there's no, there's no shadow. There's nothing dim. It's just pure clarity because what he's doing in there, he can't afford for there to be a, even a, a drop of darkness or something hidden because that would be dangerous. And there are lives at stake. And so God who is, who is light, 
comes and he shines into your life and mine. And he says it's dangerous if there's even a shred of darkness. I want there to be no darkness. I don't want there to be danger. I don't want your life or other people's lives to be at stake. Because I'm going to do something here that's going to be beautiful. And it's going to be a a display of my glory for all to see. Even as a father would pick up his son to show him off. He's wanting to do something in us. That he can show us off and we can show off who he is in and through our lives. That others can taste and see the fruitfulness and that he is good. So how does this outwork? And I finish with this. How does this outwork? Just three points. We need to start living out relationships where we are becoming aware of the blood spots so that we can be dealing with them and where we are dealing with this hiddenness, this shame and hurt and uh, insecurity and what all of that is so that we can have the light shining into us so that we can be true to who we are and connecting with God and with others and that stuff gets pushed aside. And the first step, the first step is this, George, how do I do it? I'm glad you asked. The first step is this. We have to have a conversation with God. Don't get into a conversation with others. Not with your counselor, not with your psychologist. Don't go and start bringing out all these these hurts and these hidden things and and, um, trying to say, have I got a blind spot? Don't start there. Start with the one who purposed you and created you, with a destiny. If you want to know why you were created, you go to the creator. Start with the one who loves you perfectly. And his perfect love will drive out fear. It will cast it out. And so you start with him and you go and you say, Lord, you know, I've I've had this sense of worthlessness. I'm not worthy of love. I'm not worthy to be connected with. I've been sabotaging my own relationships so that people wouldn't get close to this. And it's undealt with. And Lord, other people are saying they're being hurt by me. And I don't know why I don't see there's things happening that they're blind spots. I don't know what's going on. Lord, won't you come to me as the Father who loves me, who purposed me, who created me, who knows me, who will never leave me or forsake me, who walks with me, who is the lover of my soul, the one who sticks closer than a brother, who who counsels me, who comforts me, who fortifies me, so I can be who you've called me to be. Won't you come and shine a light in my heart? Won't you bring clarity? Won't you displace the dark and dangerous things so that I can be true to who I am, even as I relate with others? You start with God, because if you're not getting it right here, you're not going to get it right there. You get into the presence of your Father, and you outwork those things. You're not going to be able to forgive others until you've had your Father speak to you about what forgiveness is in your life. So we start with God, and then we engage with people. Bill Harbel says this in leadership. He talks about courageous leadership, and I love this phrase. It's just a, a little nugget from him on leadership. He said, if in one of your relationships there's something funky, then engage. Very American. If there's something funky, engage. What a wonderful tool. I mean, this series has helped me because really I've learned how to love God. I've, I've learned how to um, you know, study the Word and share the Word, but I haven't really had much interaction with how to do relationships and connect with others. So this is helping me because let me tell you, when I experience something funky, I disengage. I'm like, what's going on here? This guy, oh no, strike that from the record. That was the name of the guy at my workplace. How did that come out? I don't want to mention him. But this person in the workplace, you know, they've, they've, they've done this thing and so I'm going to, it was funky, I'm going to disengage. Sure. 
We need to go to God, and when there's something wrong, we need to engage with people. You know why? Because if I'm not doing that, there's obviously fear in my heart. Maybe I'm hurt, and so I'm not engaging. And everyone I'm going to engage with then is going to get hurt. You know why? Hurt people hurt people. But whole people bring wholeness to people. I want to be wholehearted. I want to be whole in who God has called me to to be. He calls me from one degree of holiness to another. That holiness means wholeness in Him. And then engaging with others, I can bring wholeness to their lives as well. And so we need courage so that we can be wholehearted as we looked at earlier. We need courage to ask wisely. Point number one. If you're taking notes, write this down. We need to ask wisely. Once we've gone to the Father, we need to go to people that love us. We need to go to people that we know want the best for us. We need to go to people that know we know they want us to be in healthy relationship and say, will you speak to me? And there's none so deceived as the deceived. So there's things I'm not seeing in my life. Will you tell me if they're blind spots that are robbing me of life, that I can then deal with them because I'm powerful and responsible for my decisions, emotions, and actions, even when other people behave a way I can be true to myself. I want to be powerful in who I am. Will you share those things with me? So I can deal with them. We need to ask wisely. And then we need the courage, number two, to listen bravely. You need courage to hear what they're going to say to you. You know, that's not easy. You know, Louis Else, can I tell you a story about Louis Else? <laughs> Louis Else with his team, he said, I'm going to be vulnerable. I want you to come and tell me everything. Robust. I'm a leader. Come, you tell me everything. His staff came in. He shared this with us as leaders. And he said, you know, they laid in. They didn't hold back. I mean, they came in swinging. And they were telling Louis this, this, this. He said he felt beaten back. He couldn't believe it. But then after, and he's got a big team, big staff. After that all finished, he said, great, now's my opportunity with you. So I want to invite you to come to my office so I can meet with you one by one. No one came. (laughs) You need courage to listen bravely. Because once we've heard, we're going to take responsibility for who we are in God. In response to his grace, we're going to lift ourselves up. We're going to be carried by the Spirit. And we're going to deal with those blind spots in our life so that we can be wholehearted in our connection with God and with others. And in the midst of that, you're going to find that you're going to feel pain sometimes. You're going to think their motives. You might even feel there's judgment coming. But you're going to keep your heart right with God, with those that you have spoken to have brought you wisdom. And you're going to walk through that process so that where it's funky, you can come into wholeness and not hurt. And you can release wholeness and not be hurt. And then the third thing is you're going to need courage to disclose carefully. There's a, there's a verse from the Old Testament that says, don't cast your pearls before swines. I'm not calling anyone here swines. But what I am saying is when you're going to bring out the deep, true emotions, feelings, and things that you are experiencing, maybe there's shames and hurts and, and whatever it might be, start to do it with those that will have the wisdom to appreciate the connection that you're building with them. Jesus did it just with the few. Will you come and pray with me? Not with the 120 or the 5,000. How does that look as I finish? This is the, really, this is the end. How does it look in relationship? Well, I drive quite regularly around Mount Edgecombe area and around Gateway. Have you driven those areas recently? This weekend I was in Salt Rock, was on those roads as well. I mean, you, everything narrows down to a single lane. And you're driving, you've got the family in the car, you, you're trying to take control of yourself on the road, and there's a taxi coming down the verge. And, and you're on this one single down lane, and then they come and they try to come in right where you are. Have you experienced that? 
and so something rises up with you and you, you think, not on my watch. And you feel like a soldier on a wall and you think, no, I'm going I'm to close this off and I'm going to protect my lane and everyone behind me and my family and fight for my place. And this is all going through you and you're on the bumper of the guy in front of you. I mean, can't even fit like a jelly bean between the two of you. I mean, you're just right there. And, and I promise you this happened. No exaggeration. And so I'm doing this, and I'm fighting for my place. And, and Leanne is, is saying to me, you're driving like a lunatic. I mean, this is crazy. You're endangering your family. And, and you know, she's giving her opinion, and she's giving her opinion with emotion. And so as Rich told us last week, if when you give your opinion with emotion, that can be sometimes in the negative a judgment. I'm feeling judged. I'm like, don't you know, I'm, I'm fighting for our family, as Rich did last. I'm fighting for our family here and for the safety of our roads. <laughs> Who's with me? Uh. <laughs> and so I'm busy doing this. And, and let me tell you, she even I felt judged, so I didn't receive it in the moment, but she was 100% right. See, judgment just infuriates. I'm not going to go there. But anyway. <laughs> but when she says this to me, when she comes with her feelings and her need, it's a very different thing. When she says, George, I felt unsafe. You might have felt exhilarated, but I felt unsafe. I felt our little 18-month-old was unsafe. I felt our children were unsafe. unsafe. I, I, I also felt maybe you weren't in a safe place and where you were. And George, I need there to be safety for our family. And if you're going to drive like that, I can't choose to be in the car. So you can do it, but you just can't do it with me in the car. And she's expressing her feelings and she's expressing her need. And we connect him because my need is to have my wife and my family in the car and to have them safe. Real communication. Please don't communicate with my wife that I told you about yesterday. (laughs) I'm going to pray for us. I've still got insecurity in my life. Rich had more CD orders than I've had in a long time last week. I want you all to walk out of here and, and order a CD for me. <laughs> no, I'm joking. I'm yes, let's. That was, you got applause. I got applause. It's working well. Let me just pray for us. Lord, I just pray. I just thank you that you are light and there's nothing hidden in you. I thank you, Lord, that we get to live in the light of who you are, not in darkness. I thank you, Lord, that we don't have to hide in fear or shame or any of those things and unworthiness, Lord, because you have called us worthy because of what you did through your son who is worthy. And now because we are clothed in you, Lord Jesus, we are seen as worthy. I thank you for the gift and how precious that is. And Lord, I just thank you that we can be wholehearted. I pray that you give us the courage to deal with the blind spots. I pray that you shine, illuminate, bring clarity in our lives. I pray, Lord, that as you come as the light, that you shine and drive out the darkness that the enemy is trying to encroach upon us. I pray, Spirit of God, that you'll bring such fruitfulness that others will be able to taste and see that God is good. I pray that we would know what it means to, even as Jesus, you prayed that the Father is in you and you are in the Father and we are in you and you are in us and what that looks like, even as the world might know because they see that connectedness. Let it be true of us here at Harvest, Lord. Let it be true of us as we walk out and do life together with others. And I just pray, Lord, that you give us the courage to to have those conversations, even as we take responsibility to your grace at work in us, to us, through us, and for the benefit of all around us. 
I pray that in your mighty name, Lord Jesus. Amen.